Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Go for it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Right back at it on the fan, 101.9 FM, Sports Talk Radio. Club going up on a Tuesday, November 8th. It got cold again. It's windy out there now. Summer's over. That little uh, fall summer that you got. That's done. I mean, I haven't checked the, the weather. It could be coming back this weekend. Who knows around here? Keith McPherson on the fan. Taking your calls, talking the talk. No NBA on tonight. The Devils are on. They're down one nothing to the Flames. Islanders versus Rangers tied up 1-1. We are talking to Dan Duggan at 8.30, programming alert. Giants fans, Dan Duggan, who covers the Giants, will join me. I'll ask him all the questions. You can tweet at me, at Keith McPherson, if you have any questions for Dan. And then also at 9.30, CP, the franchise from Knicks Fan TV, will join me as we preview Knicks Nets. I'll ask him some questions about the Knicks, and then I can cover the Nets. That's coming up at 9.30. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the fan now. Young Devin, thanks for waiting. Out in Passaic, New Jersey, a friend of young Josh. Devin, you're on the fan. Hey, Keith. How you doing? Awesome, man. Thanks for calling my show. Um, Yeah, the Knicks, very big win last night. Also, they moved the ball around very well, and they kept it whenever they started, the Timberwolves started to make it a little closer. Knicks always had an answer. They always were able to push it back up to like 20 and didn't let it get too close like the Hawks game where they just collapsed. Yes, I feel like they learned a lot from that game. I said that game looked like the old Knicks and they have to shake that off. They have to realize when that's happening, when teams are going on a run and uh, stop the bleeding. I mean, they were up by 27 last night. They were in control of that game last night. I know Knicks fans have to have a different feeling looking at this team. It's funny. I was talking about them on uh, my Nets podcast today with Robin uh, Lumberg as we're getting ready as Nets fans to host the Knicks in Barclays Center. Uh, John Hollinger put out a tweet that said, are the Knicks a simulation? They're now 5-5 with a plus 0.0 point differential. They are 16th in offense, 16th in defense, 15th in SRS. They have played five home games, five row games, they are one and one in overtime. Like they are, they are right down the middle. <laughs> they are right down the middle in this early part yeah. of the season. And I like the way Jalen Brunson's playing. He's playing point guard. He's scoring 18, 19 points a game, and he's just moving the ball around. They've been scoring a lot of points lately, also. He's a dog, man. Jersey guy, um, two-time champion at Villanova. He is what he is. And anyone that didn't know who he was or who he is, they're they're finding out now. He's consistent. Uh, 33 minutes last night, 23 points, and uh, eight assists. I mean, this guy is just the steadier. He is the 
point guard that the Knicks needed. I think he's the first piece in the Knicks actually becoming what they need to become to compete. But he's solid. He'll be there for years. And uh, I love that he's accountable. You know, when they lost that game to the Hawks, he was accountable. And uh, he's just unflappable. I feel like his demeanor, his approach is the same every game. Right. And everyone on their team's playing well. They have no, like, amazing people, no stars, but they're all scoring a double digits. A team, and you know what? They're going away from Evan Fournier a little bit. You know, Evan Fournier uh, is a guy that I never loved. Uh, as, an, as a Nets fan, when he was on the Celtics, I couldn't stand him. And then when I saw the Knicks gave him that big deal, I'm like, he's not the guy they think he is. 12 minutes last night, he had two points. He should be coming off the bench. They should be letting Jericho Sims go. They should be letting Obi Toppin go, Emmanuel quickly, like some of these young guys go, and they are. Yeah, okay, Keith, thank you. Shout out to Josh for for saying my name. Thanks. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Devin, next time you got to, I don't know, get your uh, phone off of whatever that was. Sounded like he was in a tornado. It's windy out there. <laughs> yeah, it can't be that windy outside. I mean, it was brisk today. I think he was inside, but, you know, maybe he had uh, ear earbuds in, AirPods in. Who knows? Anywho, uh, shout out to the young boys. Shout out to the young Jedis. The young kids that listen and call up. I think last night I mentioned uh, how much I appreciate that and how, uh, you know, I don't understand why anyone would ever hate on that. The kids, uh, the children are the future. We are the world. We are the future. We are the children, right? Like when you were a kid, that's when you started to get into basketball and baseball and football and hockey. And uh, that's when you start having the conversations on the playground. Who do you like? Who's your favorite team? Who's your favorite player? No, he's better than your favorite player. This guy's better than this guy. This team's going to be like, that's where it started for me, right? That's where sports talk really got going for me on the playground. And, uh, you know, back then we didn't have all the digital stuff. I'm acting like I'm ancient, but we had trading cards, you know. <laughs> we had fresh pack of trading cards and newspapers and all that good stuff. And, you know, fast forward and now I look at these kids and I'm like, these kids, that have, all you need is a phone. And anything you want to know about any sport, any players at your fingertips. I used to be in the library like, I'm going to check out this Barry Sanders book and read about Barry Sanders' life so I know more about Barry Sanders. And I did that with a bunch of different players, and uh, it was different. You didn't have the internet. And then by the time I got into high school, we had it, but it was different. I remember we were in the era of, like, forums and blogs. It was There was no apps. Uh, there wasn't social media yet. So shout out to these young kids. They have all the sports that they can handle. Like if you've got a phone, a tablet, and you're a kid, like one day I'll have a kid, and I hope my kid is in the sports because then I'll have him put me on or my daughter, her her or him. You know, I have, I'll have them put me on to what, you know, they're going to for their sports in, info, who they're listening to, who they're watching, who their go-to guy is. And for me to be on the radio uh, and also to be a, a big baseball fan, it's two things they told me before I started this. The young people don't listen to the radio. Well, that's incorrect. We've debunked that. That's wrong. And then that young young kids aren't into baseball. That's a lie. It's not true. Just got to find them. And uh, shout out to you if you're under the age of 18 and you're listening to the fan at 8 o'clock on a Tuesday night because you just want to be in the conversation around sports. We'll keep it going. Let's see who's on the line. I just was looking at... Billy Epler at the GM meetings talking about Cookie Carrasco and Taiwan Walker and Jacob DeGrom. I got to see if I can get Paulie to clip some of that. 
Yeah, Tommy is in New Hyde Park on the fan. What's up, Tommy? What you got for us? Yo, Keith, what's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome back. How about how about that jet win? Amazing. I'm watching that game Sunday, and I'm like, they pulled it off. <laughs> the unthinkable. They actually did it. The time ran out, and I and I started thinking they were, you know, they were close. I'm like, well, they're they're in striking distance. All they need is a couple plays to go their way. And that last drive where they just kept running the ball, I'm like, they're gonna do it. They're gonna do. It. Wow, the Jets win. It was awesome. I was like, I could, I could almost believe it. How fun is it on Sunday sitting watching a game like that where you're not supposed yeah. to win, but you have a fighting chance, and you watch all four quarters, and you end up with a win? It's just, it, there's no, there's no feeling like that. Like that's that's one of the biggest Jets wins in the last decade. It was pretty cool, but I really why I called was, um, what do you think about the Grom? Where's he going? Is he taking the Jets? Money, Jeff. Sorry, the mess money, or he's going nowhere. I think they have to pay him. I think he'll stay. I think he wants to run it back with this team. I think he likes it here, but I don't know. You know, there are, there are some rumors that he doesn't like it here and doesn't want to live here and does want to go explore somewhere else. And it just matters similar to Judge, right? Who else is in the running for him? Who else is going to ante up? Who else is going to put a contract oh. offer out there that? is up there with what Steve Cohen is willing to do. And I and I think Steve Cohen is willing to keep his guy. I think I think that would be one of the first, like, stains on the Cohen era. Oh, you let DeGrom go. We couldn't afford DeGrom. I think I think they're going to be competitive in the, the Grom, uh, ch- yeah, in the yeah, DeGrom but, sweepstakes. Yeah, but Keith, he's getting older. He's always hurt. How much do you want to invest in him? I don't even know if it's that, right? I think it's like... He's already done a lot for less, and now he's yeah. earned it. You know, this is his second payday. Um, now he's earned more money, and he's next to a guy in Max Scherzer who signed a huge two-year deal last year, and he's like, hey, what about me? Uh, you know, he's arguing right. to say I'm better than him, and I should be paid like him. I'm the best in baseball, right? I was listening to Craig, Evan, C-Mac, and, and Tommy talk about the best pitchers in baseball. I wanted to almost call up because I'm like, they're forgetting some guys. But DeGrom is definitely up there. Uh, when I watch DeGrom pitch, I'm like, when he's healthy and he's on, oh, there's yeah, nobody he's better. Out. Yeah, he's lights out. So I, I think they pay hurt. him. I think they, put a, I think they put a fair offer out there for him, and it'll come down to whether he wants to stay or go. I don't think they'll be outbid. Uh, it's going to come down to whether he wants to stay in New York for the rest of his career. And I, why wouldn't you? The Mets are good now. All those years that he pitched where it was, all right. oh, DeGrom gets no run support. Oh, they got no team. They only got DeGrom. He's winning Cy Young's, and the team's not winning. Like, why would you want to escape now? Ah, uh, I don't know. What do you think? I think? I think he ends up staying. Thanks for the call, Tommy. I think they just have the money to keep him. And I don't think they're going to let the Rangers outbid them. I don't think they're going to let the Braves outbid them. I don't think they're going to let him walk. I heard uh, Evan say that Jacob DeGrom is this generation's Tom Seaver. That's heavy. And I know there's Mets fans that feel that way. Like, before Steve Cohen came in, before Francisco Lindor came in and Starling Marte and some of these other guys, DeGrom was there. DeGrom was the Mets all-star. DeGrom was the Mets trophy winner, winning the Cy Young. He was the best player on their team, a player that they could rep Despite what the team's record was, despite what the team did that day, oh, well, DeGrom pitched X amount of innings and 
This number of strikeouts the Devils just scored. Let's go. Tie game. Who's that? Mercer? Did I, did that deflect off him? Either way, tie game. So we've got a 1-1 game in Newark, New Jersey, and now the Rangers take the lead. 2-1 Rangers at Madison Square Garden over the Islanders. Hockey night. Where the hockey fans at? This is a rare night for the hockey fans to get on the fan and talk puck. There's no NBA on. Baseball's over. Football Friday is in for a couple days. I know there's some people that tweet at me, hey, man, talk about the Devils. I know there's some people that tweet at me, chill with the Devils, talk about the Rangers. You're getting into hockey now. You're, you're watching hockey now. Why aren't you talking about the Islanders? Hey, we, we all know this story, right? Or maybe we don't. Somebody listening is like, I've never heard this guy talk before. Let's go to Troy, New York. Ed is on the fan. What you got for us, E.D.? Keith, first things first, love the emphasis on the uh, young callers. I myself started calling the sports radio shows when I was about 10 years old, being yep. annoying. All I wanted to do was be on, on the radio, so the fact that you encourage it yeah. is pretty dope, man. Yeah, thank you. Now, not to crush all these young folks' dreams, but I hear a lot of stuff on this radio station, and I'm, I root for the Yankees, but I'm not technically a Yankee fan, and I watch a lot of games in Somerset, New Jersey, and on your show right now, I'm prepared to fully announce for everyone going forward that Volpe will not be a shortstop in Major League Baseball. He has a fantastic glove. The kid does doesn't everything have the right at the plate. He doesn't have the arm. Yeah. This guy's just moving. Listen, his ceiling is Dustin Pedroia, and we'd all love for that to be the case. The dude hits barrels, but he, he can not be a shortstop. They, and the Yankees know that, and they're planning around it. But I got to have some of these boomers that call into this, these shows like understand that. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I mean, he's come up as a shortstop. He's played shortstop, but he could play second base for me. Honestly, you move DJ to third. Hands. You move DJ to third, put Peraza at short, put Volpe at second. Now you've got a, a brand new middle infield that could potentially play together for 10 years, and you bring Rizzo back to play first base. That doesn't cost you too much. Sign me up. So I, you got to sign up for that up the middle of that, that infield because that's that's a quick-handed uh, double play combo. Absolutely. Sure. And after we watched IKF and Glaber be immortalized with that stupid double play that they couldn't turn because IKF took the wrong route and Glaber kind of just backhanded it to them, I don't know, because Glaber had to play second base in uh, October with Peraza, Cabrera, and IKF. The timing was off. Let's just end that. Why don't we have two guys yeah. in the middle infield that have come up together uh, and that could potentially be the middle infield for the Yankees for 10 years. Amen, brother. Keep up what you're doing. Thank you. Ed, thanks for the call. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if, if Peraza and Volpe are going to be good enough for 10 years, but that's the thought, right? They didn't trade these guys. They hugged these prospects. They must have hugged these prospects because they want them to be a part of the team. That's the thought, right? They're fiscally responsible now. They're trying to build from within. Homegrown. They literally have a whole show on Yes Network called Homegrown. Pat the Pinstripes. Where are the homegrown guys at? The baby bombers failed. Let's go Devils. So that first goal was not a goal. But then the Devils, the way they get down, they just come right back. I've seen that before. A goal get waved off. They won a game 1-0 last week where the goal got waved off. Didn't matter. It came right back, scored. That one counts. I got to get out there. It's rocking in there. <laughs> Devils fans are on one. <laughs> like it's our time. First place. This team's young. This team's rolling. I like what I'm seeing. I mean, I picked a good year to uh, watch hockey from 
the first game on and like have a team this year. Was, these guys are surprising people. They're looking all right. So now it's a tie game. That first goal that I announced a couple minutes ago got waved off, but the Devils said, no, 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 put another one back up there. And Greaves knocks one in, or Graves. I'm learning the names. That's the hardest thing, right? You're You're going into a new sport. You're learning the rules, still learning the rules of hockey. You're learning the players on your team. And you're learning about the other good players on other teams. It's a lot to take in. Like in I've been watching baseball, basketball, football my entire life. So like I know I just there's things you just know about those sports. You know the history, you know the players, you know, even in college. Like I I know football players and, and basketball players coming into the NFL from college to the draft and when they, you know, go on teams. I I had a friend that used to we used to, on Sundays, watch Red Zone, and people come over. He's like, Keith can probably tell you where every one of these guys went to college. And if he doesn't know where they went to college, he knows where they were drafted or something about their history. Like, any of these starters except for, like, offensive line. And I know some offensive linemen, too. But hockey, I'm looking at now, and it's just like you're looking at the screen. Like, I'm looking at the screen now, and, I mean, I know Jesper Bratt. I know Jack Hughes. I know Nico Heischer. I know Ryan Graves, Graves now. I just called him Greaves. Excuse me. But I'm learning. I'm proud of you, Keith. I'm, 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 honestly, I'm proud of you. Yeah, I, no I'm one told me I had to do this. I took it upon myself. Yeah, this is and and you picked up that last year. They were a little, they weren't great. The Devils are a wagon this year. The Devils are really good. If they just get adequate goaltending, they'll be fine. Now Mackenzie Blackwood has a sprained MCL, so mm. he's out three to six weeks. Andre Palat. Tours groin. He's out the next 10 weeks. So two big injuries got announced today for the Devils. Yeah. But they are really, really good. Like analytics-wise, and on the analytics topic again, mm-hmm. five on five, they're like the best team in hockey offensively. And yeah, and I was looking at the game, and I was looking at, the, you know, the different lines, and there's there's guys in each line that have been contributing, and they're, they're performing better than people expected. I definitely got to get out to a game when I have time. It's it's twenty minute Uber ride from my house. I definitely want to go. They love you there, man. I know. Yeah, I definitely want to go back and just like get faded there and just like yell and scream for the Devils. <laughs> I got to wear my jersey. I, I I need a. They got they hooked me up with a jersey with my name on it, personalized jersey. I got to go back. And I told them I was like I'll pay, but like that's what I was gonna do originally. I remember last year I had the whole idea uh, coming into WFAN. I was like I don't have a hockey team. I don't really watch hockey. I just. Fell out of love with the game when they locked out when I was young and basketball took off with Jordan and the Bulls in the late 90s and I just became a huge basketball fan. So hockey kind of fell by the wayside, but I'm like, I'm on the fan now. I know there's some hockey fans. Like, I can pick that up because I don't want to exclude anyone from my show. I remember reading a comment that someone was like, oh, hockey's outside of your purview. And I'm like, what? I'm like, nah, I'm just telling you like how it is. Like, I these are the sports that I watch. Football, basketball, baseball. I've been watching them for a couple decades. Hockey, I haven't been so locked in on, but that doesn't mean I can't open my eyes to it, and I have. And when the Devils brought me in, my original plan was to just buy tickets. I think me and my boy Twitchy were going to go. Twitchy does uh, video and photography, and he just wanted to go as fans and like film the experience. And then the Devils got wind of that, and they're like, you're not going to just show up here and buy tickets and blend in. And they literally rolled out the red carpet for me. It was ridiculous. Like, I come in on the red carpet. They present me a jersey. I meet the players real quick. The players are coming out, and they let us go through this little tunnel, and we're right by the ice. They sit us in the owner's box. 
Then I go from the owner's box to the Zamboni. I ride the Zamboni, put me on a big screen. You know, I didn't cry, but I definitely was emotional because, like, my friends were with me. And we, I didn't expect that. And my friends were like, wow, man, you're a celebrity. You're a star. I'm like, no, I'm not. But they just treated me like I was one. I didn't expect all that. Shout out to the Devils. That was amazing. Even, like, the M Lounge uh, being in there. What's this guy's name? Danico. Uh, got to meet him. And uh, they had, like, sushi in there and open bar. and I don't know if it was open bar. Yeah, Ken Danico. He showed me his rings. I was like, all right, this is lit. I'm in there. Somewhere on, I think, Talking Nets YouTube, I put it. Uh, my little vlog from going to the Devils. I got I to gotta resurface that, put that on my Twitter, and show them some love. It's, it's different to come into fandom of a team where you're not a child, you're not on the outside, like, telling your parents, like, I want a Devils hat. I want a Devils jersey. Like, I'm going straight through the Devils, and they're hooking it up, and I'm I'm rocking with them. I'm a fan. Let's go, NJD. Time to take a break, man. And uh, when we come back, Dan Duggan will join us. We're going to talk Giants on the fan right after. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This. Your official station to talk Yankees. The Fan. 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. All right. Back here on the fan. No NBA on tonight. Some hockey on tonight. But now we shift gears a little bit and talk NFL. Specifically, the New York football Giants on the line right now is Dan Duggan, who covers the Giants, who I follow on Twitter. I've got post notifications on because he just seems to know everything going on as soon as it's going on. What's up, Dan? Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, I got to start off, obviously, with Xavier McKinney, 23-year-old safety, captain on the team at age 23. I mean, the kid coming out of Alabama was just a surefire prospect, and uh, he already is, you know, a big part of what the Giants do defensively and a part of this year's Giants team, the success that they've had. I know he wasn't drafted by Brian Dable and Joe Shane, but this is certainly disappointing uh, hearing the news that came out of him on the bye week. I'll say this. I I greeted it like this yesterday. You know, Joe Shane came on WFAN. He was on Tiki and Tierney. He did like a little media run. And he mentioned that Daniel Jones was in the building, that Daniel Jones was there 730, you know, eating breakfast, getting ready to put in work. And And I thought, wow, that's a great example to set. And that's a sign of a guy that knows he's in a contract year. He's not taking any chances. Now, uh, what are your thoughts on, the whole uh, broken fingers, broken hand situation with uh, Xavier McKinney. I, for one, don't think it was a freak accident. Uh, I know there's parts of that in his contract about being on an ATV. I think there's more that we don't know, but it is what it is. I guess we got to kind of leave it alone. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot there. To me, I can't begrudge a guy for going away on his bye week. I mean, Dable gave him six days off, which is uh, a pretty long time. I kind of affords guys that opportunity if you give them a shorter weekend maybe they're not as likely to go away so 
Uh, you, you want the guys to go away that, you know, put in a lot of time, you know, eight weeks and, and it was time to unplug. But obviously once you have that time, I think Lamar Jackson said a post game last night, like it's not vacation. And I think that's where you have to probably draw the line. Um, like you said, we don't know exactly what happened, you know, on the ATV or he called it like a Can-Am, I think. Uh, I'm not too, too familiar with all these, uh, these four wheel vehicles, but bottom line, like you said, it's in his contract. And it's funny because the way the contracts are worded, you know, lawyers are obviously involved. There's really nothing that says you can't be on an ATV, but it says if you are unable to play due to something that happens while you're riding an ATV, um, you know, you can be subject to forfeiting guaranteed money. Now, that's sort of a uh, a pill that's thrown in there. If it was a guy they wanted to get rid of, they could exercise it. It's not really going to be a factor as Dave McKinney. Um, you know, he's still looked at as a foundational piece. I, I can't imagine this incident has changed that. So I don't know if they're going to want to, you know, quad, you know, squabble over a couple hundred grand when this is a guy who might be signed here for, you know, eight-figure contract in the not-too-distant future. Um, but definitely it has to be disappointing. I mean, I think, first of all, the fact that you, know, you hope this isn't a major injury. I mean, he was non-committal to even be able to return this season. Uh, and then, you know, beyond that, just the fact that they're losing one of their best defensive players for at least the next four games uh, for something that was certainly preventable, that, that definitely has to be disappointing and frustrating, um, even though they might not say all that publicly. Right. So I think, you know, most people have kind of accepted it. It's unfortunate. It's disappointing. It is what it is. It's going to be a lesson for this young man. And it's a tale as old as time. Uh, I heard Carton and Roberts talking about Aaron Boone playing basketball. And we've seen this. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. fell off a motorcycle that stopped him going into his baseball season. I think uh, Ben Roethlisberger had something like that. It happens. It's just rare to see it happen in season uh, during a bye week. And it's just unfortunate for a team like the Giants who has trended up and uh, played above expectations to lose a figure like that. Like, he's he's a big part of their team. So where do the Giants go from here? How do they adapt? I feel like they've already had the next man up culture this whole season. You know, they've lost some guys and they're relying on some lesser known names. What's, what's the move? What's the next thing to uh, kind of, you know, who's the next man up? How do they replace him? Yeah, yeah, no. So at some point, there's just not a next man up. You know, they're going to have to go pretty deep into that mentality. Um, you know, player for player, it'd be Dane Belton, who you're talking about, a rookie fourth-round pick, who uh, his, his playing time has kind of varied week to week just based on the game plan. He's certainly never been in every snap, you know, you know, playing in the base defense, playing in all the sub-packages. So this will be a major change for him. Uh, more is going to fall on Julian Love's shoulders, who he already is an every snap player, but now he'll have the green dot on his helmet, meaning he'll be – getting the play calls from Wink Martindale and then be responsible for communicating that to the rest of the defense. But it's really going to be Belton, I think, who uh, most will fall on his shoulders. They have another young player, Jason Pinnock, who you know, has like one defensive snap uh, so far this season. So certainly a, a lot of inexperience. And with McKinney, you're talking about a guy who had the longest active snap streak uh, for defensive players in the NFL dating back to, I think it was week three of last season. So he's on the field every single play. So that is not an easy thing to replace. And I think People might look at his stats from last year and, and his stats this year and say, oh, he's not playing as well because he doesn't have all the interceptions. Think about this. How many times have the Giants been burnt by deep passes this year? How many coverage breakdowns have there been in the back end of the secondary? The, the answer is very few. And right. I think that's the type of stuff that doesn't show up in a stat sheet. But when I talk to people within the organization, that's where I think that there's a little nerves that he was very valuable in, in terms of all of that. Now, Dane Belton, you know, I don't care what his combine time is or anything like that. Will he be able, as a rookie, to come in and have that same type of influence? Um, you know, in terms of just keeping everybody on the same accord. I mean, that is the, the major question. And again, there's a reason why Xavier McKinney was in the role he was in. He was very good at it. 
So now you're putting basically a totally unknown in there. So that's, um, you know, that's, a, that's a big question mark. And that's why this is such a big deal because, um, you know, he's a major piece of this team. And in the NFL, when we see it in game, right, a, a DB goes down and they put a rookie in, he's got a target on his back. So he's, he's going to have a little bit of a target on his back, but they play the Houston Texans and they play them at home. I'm not, you know, saying the Houston Texans aren't an NFL team that can challenge, but at least right away, he's got a, you know, a lesser opponent to get reps against. And this, I think this defense will be able to uh, figure it out. And, you know, if the offense scores enough points, it shouldn't really matter. Let's shift to talking about Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay is a guy that I've told fans, like, you know, don't lump him in with Kadarius Tony. I was saying that a month ago. And then Tony gets traded, and you hear him say, I've been trying to get back on the field, right? He expressed that he had never been on a 6-1 team, a team that uh, could potentially win double-digit 10 wins plus this year. And today we see clips of him practicing, running. Number 19 is back. And uh, what are you expecting to see out of Kenny Galladay Sunday? Yeah, well, I think there's there's a uh, both sides that corner with the Kendarius Tony. Yes, I don't think he's similar to him uh, attitude wise, but in terms of what each guy brings as a playmaker at this stage in the careers, he doesn't compare there either. You know, I think that's the problem. I don't think Kenny Galladay. I think people want to ascribe that he's lazy or he dogs it. Like I, I just don't think that's the case. I mean, even the play he got hurt on against Chicago, it was him, you know, blocking 20 yards downfield and he got tangled up. So I don't think. Um, that label has never really made sense. He kind of carries himself with a little aloof personality. I think that maybe feeds into it. But I think the bigger problem is he just had no juice on the field. Like he looked like a guy who got old fast. He had a lot of injuries. Now he's come here and had more injuries. So uh, I think the the chance of him coming back, I mean, big impact player, are probably slim. At the same time, you know, we've seen what they've been trotting out there wide receiver week in and week out. Uh, he at least has some pedigree. You kind of I think Joe Shane said he was fingers crossed he'd be back. I think fingers crossed also that maybe he can rediscover some of that form because I think you've seen some of these guys who are kind of nice stories when they were playing a little bit. You start playing them 65, 75, 85% of the snaps and their shortcomings get revealed. I mean, at least Galladay at one point in time um, could fill that role. Again, I'm not super optimistic he's going to suddenly rediscover that form, but at least you know it was there and you know, he's got to be an upgrade sort of to what they've been putting out there. So I understand, you know, there'll be some hope there because I do think he has the right attitude. I just wonder physically if he's a difference maker because he really hasn't been that since he signed that contract here. Yeah, and I don't expect him to come in and, and have a 100-yard game Sunday, but he's a big body. He can block, and he also could be used potentially in the red zone. And like you said, when you look at the receivers that the Giants have, uh, he's a guy with a little bit more experience than some of them, and maybe at least he could be a decoy or draw some attention Maybe he's he's not uh, the Kenny Galladay that they were calling Baby Tron back in Detroit, but hopefully he's got something left for the price tag that he carries. I'm rooting for him, and uh, I hope he's able to help Daniel Jones. And I've already mentioned Daniel Jones and his work ethic. You know, what are your thoughts on Daniel Jones the rest of the season? Looking at the schedule, there's some winnable games, and uh, I think he's already proved a lot of people wrong. Staying healthy, not turning the ball over, winning games. And if he puts together a good rest of this season and leads this team to the playoffs, I think there's a good chance that he's the quarterback of the Giants in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think if he does what he did these first eight games for these final nine games, then yeah, I think the, that the, totally, the situation totally shifts. But I think it was pretty interesting that Joe Shane made, made a point to say, like, there's still nine games left. Like, they're not going to sit here and just commit to anything right now because he has eight games. Uh, obviously, the team results have been good. Jones has done what's been needed to be done. We know he hasn't been surrounded by the best supporting cast. But I think they still want to see it, and they still want to see it for nine more weeks. They want to see him stay healthy for nine more weeks. 
And, um, you know, again, it's hard, it's hard to evaluate the, the passing numbers and everything with the receivers he's throwing to, some of the O-line deficiencies. But at the same time, they're going to have to make a decision at the end of this year if they're going to commit, you know, 30 plus million dollars a year. Like, is this the way they want to play? Like, sure, it's worked. They've squeaked out a lot of these close games, but it can't be the way Brian Dable envisioned playing offense when he came here. You know, hats off to the coaching staff for making it work. Hats off to Daniel Jones for, um, you know, again, he does work really hard and he's a smart guy. And he's kind of squeezed everything out of this, uh, this personnel they have. But I still think that that jury is still very much out. Um, and I've always said, even if someone's a bit of a Jones skeptic, it, the, the beauty of this is in his hands. If they win enough games and he plays well enough, well, there really isn't a decision to make because if you're picking 26, it's, it's a lot harder to get that next quarterback. Whereas if they lost a lot of games, the decision would be easier in the other direction. But I, I still think it's very much up in the air. Um, and, you know, he, it's totally on him. He's got to finish strong and the team's got to finish strong and that makes the decision uh, a lot harder to move on if, if that's the way they're leaning. All right, now what about Saquon Barkley? He was held to 50 yards in the last game, and I think he's a little banged up. I think they said he might have had a knee. Uh, did you see him in practice? And uh, what is, what's your outlook for Saquon the rest of the season? He, he's been up there in the rushing totals. Uh, obviously, with a bye, he, he probably dropped back some. But, you know, I, I look for him to finish strong. I look for him to be the guy the rest of the way, similar to the way he was to start the season. Yeah, I think the bye came at a, a great time for him. And actually Jones as well, because Jones was, you know, kind of more banged on than he was letting on. And then with Saquon, yeah, he had that shoulder injury in the Packers game. And he's clearly just been playing through that. And I mean, he's still been productive. And you think back to that Jacksonville game where uh, he had that one run in the second half where he's just, you know, juking everybody, you know, out of their jocks. I mean, he's still capable of that. But I think you could tell, I think he's favoring that shoulder injury a little bit. Um, with Seattle, I really think they just had a great game plan and executed really well. Obviously, every team is going to try to do that, but it's kind of easier said than done. But I think, um, you know, the fact that he had the two weeks off, I think, you know, I don't know how long that shoulder is going to be probably something nags him all year because you think about your running back, you're either going to get hit or land on that shoulder pretty frequently. So I'm not sure that two weeks will be enough to cure it, but I think it certainly helps. I think, you know, he's, he put a lot of tread on those tires the first eight games. So uh, being able to take a little breather, I think, will, will do him well. And so, yeah, they're going to have to ride him because, you know, everything we just talked about with Daniel Jones, and the key to this team's success has been the run game, whether it's Jones and, and obviously more so Saquon. I think the only way they continue this is if, if Saquon continues to produce that level again. It's going to be hard because teams are certainly aware of that and they're going to focus on him. But, you know, through most of the first half, it didn't seem to matter because he still found a way to either wear teams down or just break the big runs when they needed it. And um, that's been the formula that's worked, and, and they're going to need to count on that for nine more games. We saw Richie James drop. Two footballs, fumble the ball, and he was, uh, you know, on special teams, turning the ball over, re- returning punts. I think I saw a tweet of yours about, uh, you know, different guys as punt returners catching punts today. And uh, Darnay Holmes, Adoree Jackson, I think you said that uh, Holmes will be back there Sunday, but he, he dropped his first attempt. So <laughs> who are you thinking? Is, is he definitely the guy? Is Holmes, you know, looking like the guy that's going to be returning punts for the Giants moving forward? I would say that's the way it's. it's- trending i mean he was the one guy who went in there last uh in the seattle game because obviously not only james had the two fumbles he suffered a concussion on, on the second one so he had to leave the game and uh, they probably would have made the change anyways but they put holmes back there for the last punt uh, but yeah i mean like i said he must have punt today in practice not to overreact to one play in practice but having watched him he's always kind of been a guy that you know a handful of guys go back and just steal the punts during practice and he's always looked a little shaky so i would think that they're going to hold their breath if they put him back there but um, there isn't a great other option on the roster. I mean, a lot of um, fans have said, you know, Wando Robinson, but he didn't do it as much as you probably would think for a guy with 
kind of his shiftiness in college and, and they haven't really put him back there, you know, consistently in practice. He's back there sometimes. He's not others. He was there today. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to, you know, put him into that role. Dory Jackson. I mean, like, again, do you want to put your number one cornerback there? I think Giants fans are still scarred from Jason Seahorn. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I would think Holmes is the next way up. I mean, it's, it's not an ideal situation. I think ideally he would have probably had a tryout and sign some veteran who's, you know, has, you know, a hundred returns in his career. You feel a lot more comfortable putting back there, but, um, you know, it kind of is what it is, and uh, I think they'll have to probably roll with Holmes. Uh, I can't see them putting Richie James back out there when he is healthy. Um, he's got three fumbles on 15 returns. That's kind of a ridiculous uh, rate. You just can't, can't trust the guy to put him back in that situation. So I think it'll be Holmes, and I think they'll be holding their breath a little bit because, again, it, it doesn't always look uh, that pretty in practice. Yeah, and I saw you mention Khalil Pimpleton. I'm like, oh, that's the guy from Hard Knocks, and I love that. <laughs> Uh, Hard Knocks ended, and they showed that he went to the Giants and was able to be signed, so he wasn't out of league. Last question for you now. You know, I've had you for 15 minutes. The Odell Beckham Jr. talk. I mean, Odell came out and mentioned um, looking for a place that he could spend the next three, four years and buy a home. He's obviously just turned 30 this week, and he's got a, a little boy, a, a wife. Uh, he's mature now. He mentioned the reunion do you think there's anything working there? I think I heard that, you know, his people have been in touch with the Giants, but could a potential reunion with Odell Beckham Jr. and the Giants happen uh, in the next couple weeks, maybe next month, whenever it is? Yeah, well, I mean, he certainly has, uh, has not done anything to put those those flames out, and then we you know, got the chance to speak to Joe Shane last week, and he certainly left the door open. I've never really believed that it's likely. The, the interesting factor is that it's now come out, really, that Odell is, looking for a multi-year deal, which is interesting because you figure he's going to come back and, you know, maybe at best play six games. So is a team kind of sight unseen going to be willing to make a long-term commitment to a guy who's going to be, 30, you know, just turned 30 and has had two major knee injuries the last two years. I was thinking he would be looking to just sign, find the best situation, sign, hopefully have a run like he had with the Rams and then cash in in the off season. So that that's interesting because if it's for just this season, the Giants just don't have enough money because he's not going to just come right. sign somewhere for the minimum. So they can't do it. The multi-year deal, that makes it a little more interesting because you can get creative. You can give them, you know, a minimum deal this year with some, you know, big roster bonus that kicks in next year. I mean, whatever. I mean, that's obviously for Joe Shane to, uh, to figure out, but I still don't think it's going to happen here. I just, I just, I just don't think that they're going to make that type of commitment that he's looking for. I mean, it always felt like he's going to go back to the Rams, but they're so far out of it. I don't know if that even makes sense for either side at this point. Yeah, and the team same is, with the Packers. They're not looking like they, you know, they're not looking as attractive as they did last year. I know right. Jerry Jones has weighed in. Well, but, that's uh, the one. When, when you start hearing him sniffing around and, and you start looking at places that might make some sense, uh, you know, because if you want to go contender, I think the Cowboys could probably use another receiver. If Jerry Jones really wants something, he usually gets it. So that's the one. That's kind of the dark horse because, yeah, I think it was always going to be L.A. or Buffalo. If I'm Odell Beckham Jr., knowing how he is, do you want to commit to live in Buffalo for the next couple of years or Dallas with, you know, beyond the America's team? That's seems like it would appeal more to him um but no, it's gonna be fascinating i mean i think we're kind of finally coming to some sort of conclusion here he's supposedly going to be cleared this week so i think at that point it becomes less of a hypothetical and teams need to uh start making offers and he needs to start making decisions so it's gonna be fascinating but that that jerry jones comments and the cowboys entering the fray uh that that's certainly one to keep an eye on i would think awesome dan thanks for the time man i appreciate you joining my show tonight we'll talk again soon all right sounds good thanks Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Duggan. I think the first time I had him on, I was calling him Dan Dugan. It's Dan Duggan, Giants beat reporter for The Athletic. He does great work on Twitter at D-Duggan, D-U-G-G-A-N 21 on Twitter. I, I follow all his stuff to keep up 
with the Giants. The Odell Beckham stuff is interesting. Uh, I'm a Cowboys fan, so Cowboys fans are talking about Jerry Jones and his comments, but uh, I'll say this about Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones has been playing cheap lately, right? Kind of like the Yankees. <laughs> you know, worth billions, worth worth six, seven billions like the Yankees, but, uh, you know, they're skimping on millions for little players here and there. Like, the Cowboys released... Well, they traded Amari Cooper because they didn't want to pay him, and they got, like, nothing for him. Uh, Jalen Rager was a better deal for the Eagles with the Vikings than Amari Cooper was with the Cowboys for the Browns. Think about that. They also didn't sign Randy Gregory. Turns out they didn't need him, but they didn't want to pay him what he wanted. They also let go of Lyle Collins, who went to Cincinnati, Cedric Wilson, who went to Miami, Connor McGovern, who went to Miami, or Connor Williams, rather, who went to Miami. So what I'm saying is the Dallas Cowboys aren't necessarily the landing spot for Odell because of money, and you think of money when you think of Jerry Jones. But I don't know. I think there's something to the fact that Odell, like I just alluded to, he's 30, he's got a son that's not even a year old, I don't think, and his wife, um, she's a model. I actually used to work with her at MTV. I met her one time. Um, she used to be one of the wild and out girls. So she's familiar with New York. Uh, maybe they want to come back home. Odell's was drafted here. He's lived here. Maybe they want to come back here and have a reunion and, and live here for the next couple years. And that could potentially work for the giants. If they um, don't front load that contract and kind of, you know, uh, stagger it where they'll have more money on the back end and not so much this year for the last six games or whatever it might be. I don't know. All right. And we're back. Quickly here, before we get to the top of the hour, the 9 o'clock hour coming up, another program alert. At 9.30, CP the Franchise will join me from Knicks Fan TV. This whole time, I thought it was CP the Franchise. My bad, bro. Coming up, the Franchise. Paulie just told me that. He's like, you sure it's the Franchise? I'm like, I I guess. I've been reading it as the Franchise, and I just looked at his Twitter. It's the Franchise. Play on words. Clever. So, Knicks fans, coming up. Your guy will represent the Knicks. I'll represent the Nets. And we'll get ready for that rivalry. Knicks-Nets coming up in Barclays Center tomorrow night. Uh, obviously, no Kyrie, but Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, Royce O'Neal, those guys. No Utah either. Sucks. We'll be taking on the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks, who are 5-5, five and five, coming off a big win. The New York Knicks, who look a little different to me this year. And uh, I think the Knicks have a chance to beat the Nets. It's going to be competitive. It's going to be a good game. But you know, those games always come down to the wire. And it somehow always ends up with Kevin Durant having the ball in his hands. And he's somebody that we know has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder uh, from his recruitment by the Knicks or Knicks fans or lack of recruitment by the Knicks, more so of Knicks fans. And uh, he always kind of plays to the crowd. So. Looking forward to that. Call me up, 877-337-6666. I can take calls for the next half hour. We'll be right back. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 